0: What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your wayfarer still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order.
1: You're listening to the Keef to the
0: City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so the Super Bowl is just over a little uh a little over a week away here. Seahawks, Patriots, uh the Patriots trying to erase their 10-year drought, the uh the drought that I hope continues. Um once again, it's it's been a miserable couple weeks rooting against them only to watch them win and then uh I was out in Seattle for uh, for Seahawks Packers. Got to experience that firsthand, um, and you know I didn't really care who won. I just wanted the team that had the best chance to beat the Patriots to win because I feel I felt all along like they would roll the Colts, Colts and that's exactly what happened. So now we get Seahawks Patriots, and here to join me today with the uh, Super Bowl now just over a little week away is Mike Cole from Nessencom who I usually would bring in to talk hockey or baseball or something else, but um, this has a little twist to it, and that's because uh, Mike's a sp- Boston sports fan for everything except uh, when it comes to football. He's a Packers fan. So, uh, Mike, thanks for coming on today. How you doing?
1: Uh, well, you know, when you lay it out like that, I've, done I've been doing better. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's not a great week. I Honestly, going back to Sunday, I mean, we can get more at length. But I, I went into it knowing, you know, I mean, I don't think I hate the Patriots as much as you do, but I, I really can't stand them. Uh, and it was one of those things where going into the day, I was like, yeah, there's no chance. I mean, it's going to be Patriots, Seahawks, and the Super Bowl. I, you know, I was reserved for that. And then, you know, to have the Packers lose in that crushing play, uh, it just made the whole day even worse. So that was not a fun day uh, for me.
0: Well, anyone that uh, you know, knows you or follows you on Twitter, uh, it's a lot of Red Sox, a lot of Bruins. But then you got these Packers tweets in there, and you say you don't hate the Patriots as much as me. But I, I, I know you don't like them, and I guess you know let's start there how are you a boston yep. sports fan and then the packers are thrown into the mix
1: uh you know i just growing up um you know i grew up in in western mass and all that so uh my dad grew up a, a Dolphins fan who's you know grew up in the 70s or whatever kind of gravitated toward them so i was raised on hating the patriots and then kind of just uh grew up in the five years uh and that's stuck since then it was it was pretty cool i mean i still I uh, kind of remember uh, Super Bowl thirty one. I mean, I, I I do. It wasn't you know as uh, as exciting as I'd like it to be. I mean, if, if that had happened uh, nowadays, it would be probably the greatest day of my life. But uh, you know, so it's it's been that uh, the constant uh, the the battle to balance all of that. It's I gotta imagine like I, I there's really no outlet for me other than Twitter. So like it, it must annoy the hell out of people. Like I lose like five or six followers every Packers game. Uh, just because it's like some people are like, what are you doing? Like, who cares? But it's just, it's my only outlet. I mean, especially the other day, I feel like it was, I mean, I, it was just, it was, I don't know, it's just tough to explain. Like, it was just therapy for me as it was happening. It was kind of crazy. It's one of the cool things about Twitter. And then, like, if you go back to my, my timeline, it's just it, it just turns into a, a meltdown at a certain point. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, you know, in, in retrospect, it's like my life would be a lot easier if I, I grew up a Patriots fan. But you know, you can't undo that now. So, uh, yeah, it, it explains a lot. Why, you know, why I'm such a miserable person overall.
0: <laughs> well, I was in uh, Seattle on Sunday for the game, and uh, you know, yeah. I'm impartial. I didn't care who won. I I mean I wanted the Seahawks to win because I felt like they would have a better chance to uh yeah. to beat the Pages that got to the Super Bowl. But I was with um with my girlfriend and her family and her dad's from Wisconsin. He's a Packers fan. Um he set the whole trip up, so I, I couldn't, you know, really root for the Seahawks, uh, because I'm with a group of people that are all rooting for the Packers. So I just was hoping for a good game. We got a great game, you know, probably one of the best playoff games in history, uh, from a Seahawks standpoint. But you know, the whole Seattle Seahawks aspect, I, I was really against them. I was really anti-Seahawks the last two years. Um, and then they won, and that sort of went away because I just didn't want them to win. And then once they do, there's nothing you can do about it. But the whole 12th man element, uh, you know, people – when I got on the plane on Saturday morning from New York to go there, and there's people on a, you know, a 7 a.m. flight out of New York to Seattle 36 hours before the game – uh wearing full Seahawks gear 12th man jerseys not player jerseys not Lynch or Wilson or uh you know anyone else but uh, you know 12th man jersey which is just weird and then to hear everyone refer to themselves as 12s and the players refer to the fans yeah. as 12s and the owners raising a 12 flag and and you know flailing towels in the air the whole thing is kind of crazy but their fans that place that stadium is is pretty insane and uh on the road, outside of New York stadiums, outside of Yankee stadium in the playoffs, or MSG at its loudest points, the loudest thing I ever heard on the road was game five of uh, the 2004 ALCS. I was there, and uh, and when it went to extra innings, Schilling, uh, Wakefield, and uh, Derek Lowe started to walk to the bullpen from right. the Red Sox dugout, and they played lose yourself at Fenway, and it was the loudest <laughs> thing imaginable. And that moment, if you multiply it by 500,000 for three straight hours, that's what you get in Seattle. So I feel like as much as people want to hate the fans, and I know you do, it's hard not to respect them because they do bring it for the entire game.
1: I guess. I don't know. I, it, the, the room is too fresh now. I can't, I really, I can't, you know, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm not going to say anything nice about them just because it's just, it, it was so insufferable. I mean, it's going to be even worse this, you know, till the next two weeks or whatever know, if and when this deflate stuff kind of you know passes by, then we're just gonna. Hear. I mean, just, I you know, I was just thinking about it as you were talking. Like, what's worse is it like a grown man, like a thirty-five year old man wearing a Russell Wilson jersey, <laughs> or a grown man, like a thirty-five year old man wearing a twelve man jersey. It's just so stupid. I I don't know. I mean, good for them, I guess. But I feel like there's things to do in Seattle. It's weird. It's like you would expect that kind of you know. Crazy fan levels, and, and in a place like Green Bay, there's really nothing to do. It's like a little small town. Like there's plenty of other stuff to do in Seattle. It's just where you know where does this come from? I guess you know it is. It's a unique situation, though. And I tell you what, I, I do put a lot into that. Like that's why it was part of it. You know, I when I looked at it on Sunday, we just with you know package jumping out to that lead. It's like wow, this is you know going a long way in neutralizing that fan base because I think that is a legitimate factor, and you can kind of tell. Uh, you know, as the game went on, especially into the, the second half and, the, and into the fourth quarter, when the defense started making stands for Seattle, and the the, the, the crowd just feeds off of that. And it's just, I mean, and I, I can't even imagine what it must have been like, it, you know, for the Lynch touchdown and then obviously for the game-winning touchdown. Uh, it just you know, whatever. I, it's, you know, they've used it to their advantage both in terms of marketing and, and on-field and all of that. So uh, good for them, I guess. Whatever. When it rains that much uh, in a given year, I guess you have something to look forward to. So, uh, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to say I'm happy for them, but it is, a, I guess you can say it's a pretty cool situation. Whatever. I don't know, man. This, <laughs> this, this is not helping me. You know, I feel worried as I, I continue to speak. But, uh, yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, and at the same rate, ri- you know, as much as I hate, you know what happened last weekend, and as much as you know I, I didn't like that and all of that, as, as bummed out as I am, and as much as I hate the idea of the twelves and, and all of that, I'm still, you know, like when the chips are down next Sunday, I'm probably still gonna be pulling for them. So that just tells you how much of a bitter person I am.
0: Well, you can't root for the Patriots, even even though I know you, you got your heart ripped out, and and we'll get into that. And I think uh, that game was so so odd because. Up until that point where the Packers make that pick and, and the guy slides down rather than running it back, which to me in um, hindsight, uh, yeah, you can say he should have ran it and like I know there's views, there's pictures now of how much room he had on the field, even though uh, he was told by Peppers to go down. But with five minutes left, why risk, you know, that guy turning it over since he's you know, he's not paid yeah. to he's not a he's not paid to handle the ball. He doesn't handle the ball regularly. There's a good chance someone punches it at him and the Seahawks get it anyway. But when that when that guy goes down and, and people started to file out and Got you know, there's a row of people in front of us that left. Half of our row left, and you could see out onto the concourse where you exit CenturyLink Field. It started to flood with people with five minutes left in there's a lot of Packers fans around us who were, you know, going nuts and dancing and I just figured, Hey, that's it. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have to stay yeah. and watch, uh, you know, the, the trophy ceremony and all that nonsense, but then everything changed. And when you go back and you look at what happened down the stretch with Bostic miss, uh, messing up the onside kick, whether or not he was supposed to block or stay in there and let Jordy Nelson get it. When you pinpoint everything that happened, you know, I made the, uh, the, the observation, which I'm sure everyone did early in the game is that, How many times did the Packers just settle for field goals, and they were at the one, they couldn't get in, you know, and I think really that's where it all started, and people want to blame McCarthy, and I know you hate him, and and the players along the way, but it really started earlier in the game where they just kept settling for three points, and that, you know, even though they had built themselves a lead, I just felt like it would come back to bite them, maybe not in the way it did, but, uh, I don't know, I just feel like you can't settle that many times in a playoff game for field goals.
1: Yeah, no, I actually, like, Monday morning, I was talking to somebody about it, and, like, you know, I'm going to list all the things that they could have done differently. I had a list of, like, 11 or 12 things. I even forgot a couple. As You know, I went back and looked at it. That if they had gone differently, the Packers, like, just one of those 12 things had gone differently, the Packers would have won that game. It's It's insane, like, that they screwed up so many different things that all, you know, would have been game-changing moments had it gone the other way. And obviously, the first two things on that list were you know the fourth and goal at the. And the first one's ridiculous. That ball is at the six yard line. Where I, it's like one of those things where I honestly think, you know, if you give me a few shots at it, like me behind center, I take the ball and kind of just crumple forward. I should be able to get in. Like if you can't get six inches, you know, I don't care if you're playing on the moon against, uh, you know, the monsters. Like you should be able to get the ball over the plane. Like from that spot, uh, you know, so that. I think that kind of sucked. And then the fact is, you know, like, the defense and the special teams bailed them out with, you know, forcing those turnovers in that first quarter, and they still couldn't do anything with it on the second, third possessions. Uh, You know, and for me, you know, the decision to not go for either of those is the worst thing, you know, I think, that happened in that entire game because I think that's the kind of stuff that sets the tone. Like, if they go for one of those and they get stopped, but if they go for the other one, too, and they score a touchdown... It's still, you know, you're getting a, one more point than you did, and that's the difference in the game. So you look at it like that; it's like, oh man, this sucks even more. But you know, the decisions weren't good, and you know, I, I would have liked to see them be more aggressive there. But hey, you got to be, you know, I think the offense in general gets off the hook for just not being able to execute as well down in the, you know, on the Seahawks side of the ball or on the CR side of the field, excuse me. I mean the Packers I think it was like their first four or five possessions, none of them started like worse than their own forty. And they came away with what, six points in those you know, those possessions. So I there's so many missed opportunities, you know, early, late, in between. It's just you know, I when they built that lead in the second quarter into halftime, it was a pretty sizable lead. And that's when I started to feel a little bit better about it. But, I mean, that lead could have been so much better, bigger. They could have put that game away so early. That game could have been over. It, I mean, it, again, it's, it sounds ridiculous to say if and could and would have been. But, I mean, there's a legitimate chance they could have taken a 28 nothing lead after the first quarter. and You know, we'd be sitting here talking about the Packers and the Super Bowl and can they knock off the Patriots. So it's just, it was such just a frustrating day that started early and it was kind of just overshadowed for a little bit. By the fact that, you know, they, they did eventually punch in a couple scores here and there. They built the lead. Mason Crosby was as good as he's been in a, in a long time. Uh, and it's just, again, it's just missed opportunities on the small and large picture. It's just, it sucks so bad. Because <laughs> they had their chances and they just, they didn't convert on any of them. But I do think, you know, it's tied up. I, I do think it started with, you know, not, not cashing in on those early possessions and the Seahawks are just giving you the ball in good field position. So, uh, uh it's one of those things where it's, you know, I mean, I can only imagine what it must be like to be one of those players. And I know I'm still not even close to over. It, it hurts. Like, you, you get that close. And and it's not like one of those things where you get blown out. And you're like, well, geez, the better team clearly won. And, and you know, I you kind of saw that coming. It was one of those things where they went in there and they did, they did a good job of, you know, withstanding whatever the Seahawks gave them early on. They, you know, they put themselves in position to win. And then just the just blow it like that. It's, just, it's it's, a bummer. It's one of those things that you've of hurt for a long time, especially for that team.
0: Well, you said how the offense, uh, you know, they didn't really take any heat for not getting the job done earlier. But I feel like the two main people sort of getting away with their performances, one, Aaron Rodgers, who – you know, threw two picks and they were pretty bad picks, and only threw for 178 yeah. yards in the game. And then the other is the def- the, the Green Bay defense. No one, I mean, everyone's oh, pinpointing, God. every everyone's getting blame around the team except for the entire defense, who you know they let Lynch, you know, run in 24 yards uh, to take the yeah. lead there. Um, they they were the ones who did nothing to stop Curse and Baldwin in overtime, and it just seems like no everyone's trying to you know pinpoint the onside kick or or trying to run out the clock or McCarthy's decisions or the fake field goal, but no one. Talking about how bad of a job the defense did uh, over the last five minutes, and then and then again in overtime.
1: It's like Tom Capers went and took a nap at halftime <laughs> and didn't come back. I mean, I've been a pretty outspoken critic of him over the years, and I think this is a. I mean, this is one of his better years. I thought you know they've been more healthy on defense this year, and I think you you kind of see the difference. That, you know what he can do when he's got healthy players, but there's still you know the head scratching decisions from time to time. And, you know, in that first quarter, first half, obviously with all the takeaways and, and what they did the, to Wilson and kind of containing him and keeping him in the pocket and keeping that read option away, uh, you know, they did a masterful job of of game planning on defense. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. I didn't think like, Dom had it in him. And then, you know, the second half started and, you know, it's, you kind of got away from him. And even, you know, I mean, the interception was one thing. The fourth pick, you know, it, it was five minutes left or whatever, you know, nice play, but, in the third quarter even it was it like that third and it was a third and long i think it was and they went with a three man rush and, and wilson had like 15 seconds to throw the ball he eventually you know steps into the pocket i think he found baldwin wide open with not a soul in, you know around him it's like how does that happen when you're rushing three guys like there's you know if you do the math there should be eight guys to cover about 30 yards of the football field and all the receivers on it like you should be able to get off the field there uh, I you know, they go down and I think that's that eventually led to the uh the fake field goal I believe. Uh, so it's just like oh um, my you know, just stuff like that and then it's just it's, I don't know what they were doing. And then I mean in overtime doesn't even get me started to not have any safety help there is ridiculous. Like the only thing that can you know lose the game for you is a touchdown. And curse gets single coverage right down the middle, there's no safety help anywhere. I mean, it's elementary stuff. It's just unbelievable. The only thing they did in the second half that I liked, at least late in the game, you know, I'm not going to totally, you know, get on for the second half, but especially in those last five minutes, on the Lynch touchdown run, after about five yards, I had no problem with them not tackling them. I go ahead, go score the touchdown, give the Packers at least some time on the clock. Uh, But even then, oh my God, see, this is like, this has been my life the last week. It's just you remember, like, thing after thing. Taha Clinton Dix. What are you doing? Like, he had a great game. You know, the picks were great. But on a two-point conversion, how do you not just knock that ball down and you're going to the suit? It's just unreal.
0: It, it,
1: it's just a monumental collapse everywhere you look. Uh, I, you know, if you're going to hand out blame to anyone more so than anybody else in the second half, I'd do it for the defense. But then again, here we go. You don't even need to be in that situation where the Packers had two chances with, you know, five minutes or less to go. And they go three and out with runs that looked like they were legitimately designed to lose three yards. It's like, well, you might as well just take a knee if you're going to, you know, be that cautious and that, uh, you know, you're not going to take any chances at all. Uh, I know they had, like, a third and eight that they tried to throw the ball to the sticks, and they threw it to, like, a third-string tight end. Just, uh, just, oh, man, this is not it's is not fun to relive. But it's just, I mean, you know, we could talk about some specifics, and kind of, you know, pinpoint each, uh, area of the game and it's just it's one of those things where everybody screwed up from coaching down to the four string tight end who's on the hands team and should you know do his job on the outside kick and just does it <laughs> and screws up the entire thing. So it's just not not good. And that's kinda of one of the reasons why you know I it was obviously fired up in the heat of the moment and kinda of called for them to fire McCarthy. I don't necessarily think it would be the worst thing in the world if they fired him. Probably doesn't deserve to lose his job in hindsight now that i have cooled down a little bit but to just have that many, you know, screw-ups under your watch in such a short period of time with so much on the
0: line, I do think that that's a fireable offense. So, uh just not a good day for him whatsoever. <laughs> well, going into the game, what was your mentality? Did you think the Packers had a chance? I mean, the line was, you know, Seattle minus eight right before the game. So, were you going in just hoping that Rodgers, you know, would light it up and that would be their one shot? Or, or you know, did you think that they were going to be able to stick with him no matter what?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, I thought... um. Now Rogers definitely, and I think Eddie Lacey is one guy who's pretty much uh you know immune to criticism in this entire thing because I thought he he had a real nice game i you know I remember tweeting about it if he doesn't get thirty carries by the time this game's done, you know they're in trouble. I don't think he did uh it, you know i and I, he was the kind of guy that maybe you know neutralizes everything if they can get him a couple of holes, let him run over some guys early, and he kind of set the tone uh emotionally and physically. I think they did that with him and, and it's you know, I thought that if they did that early enough, and often maybe they'd have a chance. And I also thought Rodgers was gonna have to have a, a a real good game, something that you know, he's gonna have to have the anti visiting te- visiting quarterback in Seattle game where he had to go out there and be pretty good with the ball, not turn it over. I think the Seahawks are something like twelve and two this year when they forced a turn over so you got to be, you know, good with the ball. I, and I, I thought if, if he did that, maybe they'd have a chance. Obviously, it didn't happen that way. Uh, the the first pick was just—it seemed like a bad decision. He's kind of said since then that he thought it was a free play because it did look like a, one of the Seahawks defensive linemen was lined up in the neutral zone. But even then, I mean, just it wasn't a good decision. It wasn't a good throw, and, and you know, the, the second turnover was miscommunication. So. Uh, that didn't play out the way it needed to play out, but I did think they had a chance. I think that, uh, you know, I don't think they've forgotten the whole failed area thing. I, I, I think that they're feeling pretty good about themselves. Uh, you know, they're getting healthier with Rodgers. I think that was the best he's felt in a while. The, the offensive line is healthy. So I thought that, you know, I, I definitely didn't expect them to get blown out, uh, but I do think there's going to be a, a, a tough, you know, it's going to be tough to beat that team. And I think that goes without saying which is why, you know, I was sitting there on my couch into the second quarter and they're starting to build a fleet, and it's like, this is I can't even believe this is happening. And then the end, it ended up being too good to be true.
0: Well, the reason I wanted to ask you if you thought – they had a chance going into the game is because obviously you know, once they got there and they had more than a chance and they had that lead, it's sort of you know I've been in that spot, I've, I know what that feels like and, and as recently as the Stanley Cup Final where the Rangers, you know, no one gave them a chance against the Kings and uh, even if it was the Blackhawks, no one would have given them a chance and then when you watch them, you know, blow two goal leads in the first two games and lose three games in yeah. overtime and it hurts more because you know, like you said, you'd rather have just gotten blown out than, you know, have the lead or have a chance or prove that you belong in the same field as a team and then to have it taken away from like that
1: yeah exactly and it's just
0: yeah and it's it's a good way of saying
1: it like do you you want to you know prove that you belong and, and all of that because you know I, it's one of those things where i, I finally understand what you know those the teams that go into it and fan bases that go into games being legitimate underdogs and you know you mentioned the line seven seven and a half eight I mean, that, that kind of says it right there. That's a pretty big line for an NFC championship game where both teams should be, you know, two of the better teams in the conference. And, you know, kind of just looking at all the, the pundits and, and everybody's picks. And I mean, even, you know, I have to do picks every week. I picked the Seahawks, and that was kind of me trying to jinx it more. than Anything else, <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's like, uh, it's just such a galvanizing feeling. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a player in that situation where everybody's picking against you. Nobody expects you to win maybe you'll give them a game, but you're still not expected to win. And then to come out and, and play the way that they did, and that's just, you know, they obviously didn't take any full advantage of their opportunities early on. But you go to the locker room, you know, up with two scores at halftime, you got to feel pretty good about yourself. And You know, to have a 12-point lead with five minutes to go, you got to feel like you're, you know, you're in a position to win the football game. And I'll be honest, like, you know, late in the second half, I'm starting, you know, I got ahead of myself, too, and I imagine they did the same thing, but I'm sitting there thinking, who am I going to watch the Super Bowl with, this is going to be awesome, you know, it's going to be a a hellacious two weeks with all my Patriots uh, fans, friends, you know, going back and forth and all that, it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's just all of a sudden, it's snatched out, uh, you know, from your hands, so it's just, it's one of those things where, yeah, it was just just, just a, an emotional roller coaster because, like you said, you go into it with low expectations and it all happened so quickly early on that you're like, "All right, this is you know this is going to happen," and then it happened so fast at the end where it's just it's just a crushing blow. So, yeah, it was a, it's something that as a Packers fan, I'm not going to forget you know the that sequence of events for a long time just you know, even from waking up on Sunday morning, like I said, and reading everything and seeing the spread and everything, it's just the ups and downs of that day. And then the entire, you know, the fallout of everything. It's just, it's the, it was the best and the worst of sports in one day. And that's just, I guess the best way I can put it. And it's just one of those things where it's what, you know, what keeps you coming back, I guess, because, you know, next year I'm like, well, I want to get that taste out of my mouth. And so I'm right back on the bandwagon and here we go. So it's just, Uh it's I don't know why we watch sports sometimes. It's just so you know, it just takes such a toll on you emotionally, but uh it's just it's such it's a bummer. A bummer.
0: Well, when you think about the Packers, and now uh, you go back to uh, what's happened since they won the Super Bowl against the Steelers a few years ago, and then the fifteen one season against my Giants, where you, they blew that yeah. that home game, and it wasn't even really a game, and uh, it was a blowout, and then they have the playoff loss yeah. um, last year. Uh, they you know they beat the Vikings a couple years ago, but they're facing uh, you know Joe Webb. So it's been Joe it's Webb, been yeah. a bad couple uh, postseasons for the Packers,
1: and I think that you know I. I would imagine that level-headed people would have an issue with me, you know, being so pissy about Mike McCarthy all the time. And I honestly, I watch a ton of Packers football, whether it's uh, illegally online, uh, you know, on the red zone, even then. Uh, and then the fact that they've been good last years, they've got a lot of national games. The, the fact that they had the AFC East this year helped out a lot. So I've watched a lot of Packers football. It's not just me saying it from afar. The guy is just in game, you know, just the decisions that he makes are so mind boggling. He saw it on the biggest stage uh last week. And I think it's just one of those things where I I'm, you know, I think Rogers is thirty years old. So I think he's got the better part of a decade left. Hopefully they're all all the you know, all that time is spent in Green Bay because I do think he's the best quarterback in the league. But I can't help but already think that they might be just missing a golden opportunity here where they have Arguably the best player in football, at least the best quarterback in football, and what do you have to show for it? You beat the you know the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Super Bowl in a game that they almost blew late too. It wasn't anything close to the Seahawks game, but you know they, the Packers had that game in hand for much of the game, and you know Steelers still made a made a game of it. And there was a, there was a fumble late uh, that they kind of you know sealed it for the Packers. So it's just I don't know I, it. The failure to live up to expectations has been my biggest thing. It's just, I just hope that you know, when I'm 40 years old, I don't look back on the Aaron Rodgers era and say, "Man, they really could have done a lot more of that kid, and you know, they could have been better, and they they could have won more Super Bowls." If they end up winning one Super Bowl for his entire career, he's just another guy. It's just, I so you know, it, yeah, you look at it the last couple of years. There's been opportunities missed. I mean, the, this losing to San Fran last year is you know with the air, the Rogers injury, things like that. I mean, whatever you give them a pass for that. But yeah, going back to the 15-1 season, that they come out you know at home and get just embarrassed by the Giants. It's it, it's just things like that. You're like that can't happen, especially when you have a, a legitimate core uh, that's led by a guy like Rogers. So that's why I hope they start to make some changes or at least some tweaks to kind of to become a more well-rounded team a little bit tougher you know and, and take advantage of these opportunities because you know I, I think you look at across a league and it's just so important to have a, a good quarterback and if you don't take advantage of that you can be right back to being you know the Tampa Bay Bucks within you know a, a couple of years so uh, I, I do think that a lot of these things are cyclical, cyclical I mean the Packers have done a good job of you know drafting or finding quarterbacks in Favre and Rodgers but Uh, You know, that's not going to be there forever. And, you know, if, if they don't take advantage of those opportunities while they have them, it's going to be, you know, it's just, it's going to be a disappointment. And I think that that's kind of what you're seeing right now, uh, you know, a smaller scale, but it's still going to play out a little bit more. But yeah, I think so far it's been kind of a disappointment.
0: Well, uh, I was going to mention how, you know, with the Patriots now in the Super Bowl and everyone's talks, uh, you know, starts to talk about, oh, if they win this one, uh, you know, they'll go in, you know, this era will go into history as the best team ever, the four wins. And and it's the same thing we heard in 2011 when they uh, when they lost to the Giants. It's the same thing we heard in 2007 when they lost to the Giants. And to me, it's almost at this point. You know, they were three and zero in four-year span from oh one to oh four, and now it's like, well, if you lose this one, now you haven't won in eleven years, and you've lost three in that time. And now Brady and Belichick are three and three rather than four and two. And it just seems to me like everyone's still tooting their horn as if they've done so much. And and I know they've you know still had playoff runs. They've still been in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl seemingly every year, but they haven't won in a while. And it might not be as long as uh, you know a few other franchises have gone, but. I don't get why people still act like the Patriots are coming off like uh you know three consecutive championships.
1: It is wild, right? Like I mean, they haven't won a Super Bowl since in like legitimately a decade. It's you know ten years since they won a Super Bowl, or a little bit, maybe a little bit more now. It is two thousand fifteen. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I think you know it's pretty impressive what they've done in terms of consistency, though. And I think it's I mean, it's so weird because, like, what are we going to say? You know, uh, well, Brady and Belichick were great. They won those three Super Bowls. But, yeah, what about the time that they got to three Super Bowls and lost those Super Bowls? <laughs> it's like they're still one of the top two teams left standing. To do that six times in the span of fourteen, you know, 13, 14 years is absurd. It's just I, – I so I give them credit for that. There's something to be said for consistency and to be able to doing it for a long time, to do it in a salary cap league, uh, you know, to do it with so much turnover and to do it with the, you know the the two main guys that are facing the franchises. I mean, if you think about it, like if Brady goes, you know, ten years between winning Super Bowls, that's a pretty impressive thing too. But yeah, I mean, the you know the resume isn't as impressive if you got three Super Bowl losses. I mean, I think that goes without saying, as opposed to if you had won one or two of those, uh, and you know, or even if you. I guess you can make the case. Does how does things change? If you know they don't get to some of these Super Bowls, and what if Brady won three out of four Super Bowls for his career? Does that look better than three out of six, where it's three Super Bowl losses? I, I don't think it looks better, but I guess you can make that point. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's I mean I honestly think I if I had to make a pick right now, you know I, I'm leaning toward them winning because it's just it feels like I mean especially with all this you know the football nonsense, and the deflating the footballs that's the kind of thing that just fires this team up. So I I don't know, but I I think if they, if they can, you know, find a way to get that fourth one, even if they lose this year and say they come back and win it next year, I I think, you know, four Bowls is something that's, uh, you know, there's not, obviously not a lot of guys that can say they did that. So I think that they're in a good position, you know, from that aspect, but yeah, I, you know, to get that close and then not come away with a win three times. I think that does, you know, it, it, it goes both ways and, you know, kind of, talking in a circle here just because you know I keep going back and forth where it's, it, it is impressive but you know you got to come away with wins so it's I, I don't know I, I don't think you know you look at Joe Montana as a guy you know who's the, the gold you know gold standard for you know playing in Super Bowls and winning four Super Bowls so he you know he never you know you know necessarily lost it like this so uh, it's it's weird because, you know, look at, you know, look at those Super Bowls, too. They were in position to win, and, you know, it was against the same team. So there's that, you know, that factor, too. That's why it'll be interesting to see, you know, what people say and, and how we feel about the, the legacy of, of the Patriots under Belichick and Brady if they end up losing this game, too, where it's, you know, you can say, well, it wasn't just the Giants that had their number. It's, it's a team that lost their last three Super Bowls. So it's going to be weird. I think... I honestly don't think though it's going to change a whole lot legacy wise. I think if we're looking at it ten years from now, you know, you look back at the Belichick Brady era, even if they end up losing four Super Bowls, it's still, it still it was just such an impressive run of consistency. It's so many you know, just so many wins is you know, and I don't think that can be taken for granted in a league like the NFL, where it is so hard to do it every year. So I you know, I I guess overall I, I'm still impressed by what they do, no matter what happens next weekend. But I mean, it, it is some little things where if you know you're going to play a game like that, you want to win it. So, uh, but I, I guess I, you know, I don't really feel the same way that you do about it. But it is something that's going to be, you know, I, I guess criticized over the years. But I think the, the good outweighs the bad for them.
0: I think the the most annoying thing that Patriots fans do is when they talk about the fact that uh, you know they say oh well we you know Brady and Belichick they could be five and zero uh, in the Super Bowl if it yeah. wasn't for the Tyree catch or the Manningham catch and it's kind of ironic for them to say that because the three they won you know all came by three points um, the first one came thanks to the you know the crazy tuck rule in the Raiders game they won on yep. Vinatieri last second field goals so you know they got their lucky 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 breaks along the way. And, uh, and, and and you know, the Packers are in that cr- crowd, too, because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is still Super bowl if the miracle at the Meadowlands never happens because the Giants clinched the playoff berth that would have ended up going to the Packers that season. So, yeah. you know, every team needs luck and, and uh, leads a lot of it, especially in football where there's no seven-game series. It's just one day where one play, one bad throw, one tip pass could change a season. And for, it, I, I, just, I just can't get over the fact that it's always the same thing with this team and their fans, and they always talk about, you know, well, we could be this we could be this and you can make the case for any team in any sport in any championship in history that if things didn't go their way they wouldn't be standing there and uh, it certainly isn't different for them and I just uh you know it just is one of those things where it will never go away anytime they get to this spot
1: yeah and that's one of those things where like if I was a Patriots fan I'd be looking at it as big picture and kind of you know looking at the entire entire run and not I wouldn't be looking at it. I mean, obviously people like you are always be like, well, what about the Super Bowls you lost to the Giants, I'd kind of look at it like, well, what about the years that we were playing in the Super Bowl And you know, your team wasn't, it's just cause I, I do think, you know, I think you make a good point with it. Just being one game to decide everything, you know, a lot of things can happen, which is why I, I think I put more stock in the, you know, the ability to do it year after year and put yourself in a position to have the ball bounce a certain way, because you know, it's, I, I, you know, I'd rather see my team in it every year, it, it, you know, and be competitive for a Super Bowl than kind of win a Super Bowl here and there. I mean, the, the Giants are a weird instance because they're kind of like a little bit of both, where you, you know they're competitive most years, obviously not the last couple, but you know they're always in a position. It, it's just it's it's tough. It's just a weird weird dichotomy. And you know, for for Patriots fans, I mean, we can sit here all day. We could have a three hour conversation about Patriots fans and the the crap that they do and just how annoying they can get but you know at the end of the day it's just it's a team that's always in the big game uh you know no matter what they say about you know excuses or or or, you know what could have gone differently it's it's kind of tough to take that away from them and here we are talking about another Patriots Super Bowl appearance it's just it's it's unprecedented stuff but yeah I, I think that they've Gotten lucky, but that's far from the the biggest reason that they've they've been able to be so successful for so many years. But God, are they a, you know just an insufferable bunch?
0: <laughs> well, the thing I look about it, you know, I look at the Super Bowl, and I'm all for uh, you know joining a 12th man and being a Seahawks fan for the next 11 days until the Super Bowl. And I think when you look at what happened in the Seahawks Packers game, that has to give any Seahawks fan confidence is how bad Russell Wilson played. You know, four yep. picks was horrible. Had like you know. 11 passing yards at what late in the game at one point and they still won the game so it's like he's there's there's a very good chance that he's not going to duplicate and replicate that performance that he's going to be the same russell wilson that the packers probably expected to see on sunday so i think you have that going for you where as bad as these seahawks were and as bad that was probably the worst game they've played in you know three years for the for 55 minutes there's no chance yeah. they can be that bad again in uh, in arizona
1: yeah, you know, I that, that that's true, and you know, I said earlier, you know, gun to my head, if I had to make a pick today, I'd probably lean toward the Patriots, and that really, to be honest with you, has nothing to do with the matchup or anything like that. That's just me expecting the worst and knowing that I'm going to be miserable at some point because I'm going to have to deal with the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. If you really look at the matchup and things like that, yeah, I it's one of those things where I wouldn't be surprised if you know the Seahawks end up winning this game by like ten points because I, I thought you know I had the same exact. Process where you know Wilson's not going to play as bad as that. You know, they're not going to. I mean, what it took him like into the second quarter to complete his first pass, it's it just, or it, it's it's just, you know, a historically bad game for 55 minutes. So, I, I don't think he's going to do that again in, in two weeks or in a week, whatever, I don't even know what today is. Uh, but here's the big thing for me is that if they can kind of get that read option going early and often, it, I don't think they did that very well against the Packers. If they can kind of get him doing what he does best, which is you know, that read option, getting out out of the pocket, uh, that hopefully for them you know, neutralizes the fact that their receiving court isn't great, and the, the Patriots secondary is one of the best in the league. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch and see what they can do to kind of – uh, you know, get away from guys like Rivas and, and kind of find unfavorable matchups because I do think that that's a, an advantage for the Patriots there. And like I said, I think the way that you neutralize that is, is getting Wilson more involved in the gameplay and, and getting that read option going. And obviously, he's got to get Marshawn Lynch going. And he's been just an absolute monster the last few weeks. It, I mean, they he seemed like he was having a relatively quiet game against the Packers. You look at the numbers, and it's just... You know, it was insane, and obviously he had a huge second half, and that that went a long way. But he's picking up big chunks of yards all, all game, so I think they're going to have to get him going in uh, things like that. And it, what I'm kind of looking at too is, you know, the Patriots have been so good with that, you know, the short passing game. Uh, you know, they they don't necessarily have, you know, the the stud wide receivers that a team like even you know the Packers. I would still take. Uh, Cobb and Nelson over, you know, Elman and LaFell and Amadola. Obviously, Gronk's a, a difference maker. But I think, it'll, I'm going to be really interested to see, you know, assuming that everybody in Seattle's secondary is healthy, what they can do with kind of jamming those guys at the line of scrimmage, kind of making Brady uncomfortable, taking away those, those quick slants, the passes that are, you know, five to seven yards. And then maybe you get pressure on Brady. We've seen it time and time and time again that if you get pressure on Brady, he gets uncomfortable. Uh, he makes mistakes. He's human. I mean, nobody likes to get hit, especially when they're trying to, when getting hit gets in the way of them throwing football at other people. So, uh, it, it, yeah, like, you know, as I sit here and talk about it, yeah, the, the, I don't think the matchup is great for the Patriots. I just kind of, you know, would people be leaning toward them because it's mystique and, you know, going against all the things that I just said. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. And that's, I think, where, you know, the whole two weeks. You know, plays a big role. What do the Patriots do to game plan, assuming they can, you know, finally turn the page from all this, uh, the football nonsense? So, uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I do think, you know, you talked about rooting for whoever gave, uh, you know, whoever gives you the best chance of seeing the Patriots lose. I do think it's the Seahawks because I think the matchup's better and I think they got the bad one out of their system. And I think, you know, for teams that can maybe be like a wake up call where, uh, you know, you saw last week what can happen, how close you can come to losing your season. Uh and now that they've kinda of gotten that wake up call, I don't expect them to take anything for granted.
0: Yeah, and I think uh we're, there you mentioned the the word mystique. And, uh, you know, that's something we always heard with the Yankees forever and the Patriots uh, now getting that, that word or, or linked to their name and connected to their name. And I almost feel like the Seahawks are the new Patriots in, in the sense that, you know, they've built what they've had these last few years off defense. Um, they win the Super Bowl last year, you know, in, in the biggest blowout in forever. They come back this year. Um, to To win that game last week, I would certainly say that falls into the mystique category. And it almost seems like, They are now the team that we saw, the Patriots, that started this dynasty, built off defense. And, uh, you know, it's not all about Russell Wilson. I'm sure at some point as he, you know, matures in the league, they'll start to create a team or build a team around him. But for now, this team almost reminds me of the way the Patriots were originally built. And I think that's that's the best thing going for them is that it's all about defense and, you know, with Sherman and with Chancellor and Maxwell... Um and, and Earl Thomas and it just seems like they have the answers for the Patriots receivers who, aside from really Gronkowski, I don't think you really worry about anyone. I don't think, you know, right. Edelman or Lafell is uh you know putting the fear of God into any team the way that maybe Randy Moss and Walker did a few years ago. But right. uh, if any team can handle those guys, if any team can figure out a way to deal with Gronkowski who hasn't, you know, been laying the world on fire in the playoffs, it's definitely the Seahawks. And I feel most confident, you know, when that defensive group is on the field and uh, I guess I feel even more confident when they don't have the ball than when they they do after what happened last week.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, you kind of touched on the whole, you know, brilliance of the Seahawks and that they did such a good job of finding a young quarterback and bringing him along so quickly and, and having success with him so early in his career. And it's just, it's the nature of the NFL. And it's again, you know, it's kind of what makes the Patriots so impressive. And it makes, you know, it's what makes Brady's selflessness, which is totally, you know, people love to talk about that here. But the fact that the Seahawks aren't paying Russell Wilson a ton of money yet it allows them to build that defense, and you know you're kind of seeing what can happen when he comes into his own quickly. Uh, it, it goes up with that defense. It, it's just, yeah, there. It's I I think the you know comparing them to the the Patriots with Brady's earlier days is it's pretty spot on because it's the same idea. I think you know obviously different kinds of quarterbacks, but those teams were driven by the defense, and Brady was just tasked with not screwing it up and. And you know, making plays when he had to, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of underselling Tom Brady a little bit. But early on, it was it was a lot like that, and he wasn't making a ton of money. He still doesn't make a ton of money, but uh, it's it's allowed them to kind of build a team like that. So, yeah, I and, and, you know, you're seeing the fruits of that for the Seahawks now, and it's I still think you know the window's getting you know close to shutting on that, where they're going to have to pay Wilson and, and kind of pay other guys uh, and, and go from there, but. Which is why I also think, you know, going back to talking about the Packers and the missed opportunities and things like that, this is one of those games where this is a legacy game for the Seahawks, where they can really cement themselves as a legit, you know, dynasty contender. I know, you know, we talk about dynasties way too much, but if you get back-to-back Super Bowls in this day and age, it, it, to do it against Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, and the Patriots, that's pretty impressive. It's it's impressive stuff for Wilson. It's impressive. I mean, with his absurd record against. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, impressive stuff for Pete Carroll who kind of legitimizes himself as an NFL coach after all the you know, the success at USC that did or didn't happen depending on if you talk to the NCAA. So it's there's a lot on the line for that team and like you said, you know, like we alluded to, the matchups are, you know, in their favor. They just kinda of have to take advantage of that.
0: Well, we ended up talking a lot about the Patriots, which and we're both anti-Patriots. And, uh, you know, people who don't like hockey, um, the sports season for them really comes to a halt uh, after the Super Bowl yeah. Sunday until uh, March Madness. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate that the Olympics don't happen every year because of, you know, how entertaining those games are. And they sort of get you through February and, and get you to the stretch run in hockey and March Madness and such. But with the All-Star break now, and it's the first uh, NHL All-Star game we've had in what seems like 50 years now because of lockouts <laughs> and, and Olympics. Olympics and stuff, but you look at the the Eastern Conference heading to the break, and uh, you know the Rangers are are in a good spot. They have the fewest games played um, in the conference and uh, tied for the fewest actually in, in not only the conference but the entire league. And they're sitting pretty. And the the Bruins, on the other hand, you know they did uh, they did beat up on the Rangers last week. After uh, the Rangers sort of had a letdown week against them and the Islanders, but they're still uh, riding this pretty serious winning streak, which has gone on now for like eight weeks. But uh, the, the the Bruins, do they have you worried that they that they might be on the playoff bubble for the entire rest of the way? Uh
1: yeah. I mean, I guess so because for them, it's I, guess, I feel like the same thing happened last year. They've already played. 48 games, which, you know, you talk about the Rangers playing the fewest games in the league. I think 48 might be tied for the most, if, if I'm not mistaken. kind of listen to it right now. Yeah, yeah I think is, 48 yeah. is, is tied for the most. So that's, I always look at that kind of stuff, and it's like, well, it, you know, the points in there, the games in the hand, you know, aren't an issue until teams cash in on them. But it's, it's tough because you're chasing, uh, you know, for the Bruins, they're chasing Montreal, Detroit, and Tampa in, in the Atlantic. I think Detroit. Uh, Might come back to Earth with the Jimmy Howard injury. It's just they've done so much with so little this year. It kind of speaks to the brilliance of Mike Babcock. So maybe you know you can chase those, that team down, but I think in, in that division at the end of the day it's going to be you know Montreal and Tampa Bay, and it's going to be a dogfight for that third spot. Uh, so I I don't think I'm necessarily concerned that they make a playoff spot because I do think. Uh, if they make a push for the third spot in the division and don't get it, I, I think they settle in nicely to to the uh, one of the wild card spots, which is pretty you know disheartening. Uh, if you go back, you know if I had said that same thing in, in September, it'd be like, well, that's not good because this team should be one of the best teams in that division. Uh, in the fall off, shouldn't be that sharp. But here we are. Uh, just a miserable stretch of games a, a couple months ago just, just put them in a bad spot, and even now, I mean they're. They've lost one game in regulation over their last ten and a a tough loss for the Bullo lead late last night in Colorado. But they're getting there and it's it's you know, I, I think at this point they just have to worry about getting points and, and you know staying up slow and then making one strong run late in the season like they did last year that will that you know, should solidify their, their playoff spot. I think that this team is, is talented enough to go on one, you know, big run at some point for a couple of weeks where they, they kinda, you know, put themselves in a the spot to You know, where if they don't make the playoffs, it's because of a a huge collapse. So I I think they're, I mean, it goes without saying that they're in a better spot than they were last month, but they're still not completely out of the woods yet. I think for, you know, for them, the the all-star break comes at a perfect time. It's kind of a chance for them to, you know, recollect themselves and and kind of just look at it and say, the first half of the season didn't go like we planned it to, but we still have, uh, you know, an entire second half to get back out there and make things right. They haven't been completely healthy all season. They're just healthy now, so you're starting to see what they can do with a a full roster. I don't think it's necessarily a a team good enough to win the Stanley Cup, but they they should certainly be in the playoffs when when, uh, when that rolls around in a couple months.
0: I think the good thing about being in the East, at least this year, is that it really seems like it's... You know, it's an eight-team race for eight spots, and there's—I mean—you could make yeah. the case that the Panthers are there for the ninth spot, but even then, there's seven points behind the Bruins and Capitals for the last spot, and I think that's a positive because it's really just going to be about playing for seating and, and who you're going to play in the first round the rest of the way. Because when you look at these teams, I mean, the Panthers—they've certainly retooled and started, a, you know, a rebuilding process, and they're better than they have been in years past. But when you look at Ottawa, Toronto, Buffalo, Philly, Columbus, New Jersey, Carolina—I mean, there's no team there that makes yeah. you think. Over the last, you know, forty games, they're going to win a uh, twenty-five to twenty-eight of those games, and they just there's not that many good teams in the conference, and that bodes well definitely for the Rangers and Bruins because it seems like every year year in the East um at least you know two three spots come down to the final week of the season the last three games of this season uh whereas in the west it's completely different where right now you know the the kings aren't even in the playoff picture and there's so many yeah. teams you know jockeying to just try to get in that spot there and uh and mid-50s right now isn't even going to cut it in the west so i think it, it's a good time to be part of the eastern conference and it's a lucky time because um the bottom feeders seem to all be in that side of the league
1: it's a yeah it's a really good point and you know if you look at it, those teams that are on the outside looking in i mean there's 7 points separating the bruins and the panthers right now granted the panthers have four games in hand you know four games to make up I mean, if they assume they win all those and they make up the eight points, you know, you leap out the Bruins, whatever. But I, excuse me, I don't think that necessarily is going to happen. I don't think that's a, a huge statement to make. But if you look at those teams, you know, in the Eastern Conference or on the outside looking in, you go up and down. You you just list all of them off. You know, where's the one player in that on any of those teams that's going to you know? you know, spark a hot streak. It's just not there. Those kids, I mean, those are all, there's a lot to like about a lot of those teams, but I don't think anybody's in the position to make a, a big second half run like you alluded to. I think maybe the one team that maybe, uh, you know, I've always liked the, the last couple of years, Columbus, I mean, maybe, but it's just, it's been, a you know, injuries are an issue, uh, inconsistent play. We saw what they're capable of last spring, but it's just, it just doesn't feel like the same situation this year. So yeah, I, I it's, I, the fact that there's already a seven-point difference between the, you know, the seven and eight seeds and the, the first team on the outside looking in kind of tells you what direction that this thing's going in. And it's just one of those things. And, and we throw in the third point, the loser point, it's just going to be so much tougher for those teams to make up ground. So, yeah, you know, we, we talked about that. It definitely you know, it just goes even farther to make me feel better about uh, at least the Brewers' chances of getting in. It. it is, like you kind of said, uh, it's going to come down to, you know, The 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 matchups and and the seeding and things like that, and and if you're the Bruins, doing all you can to kind of at least avoid Montreal for one round. Uh, So, yeah, it is. It's I mean the Eastern Conference isn't good. What else is new? It's just it's one of those things. It's yeah, any of these teams in the West would be in a a heap of trouble. All these borderline teams because that division, I mean that conference is just it's so stacked, and that's you know again that's not anything new.
0: All right, Mike. Well, thanks for coming on today, and uh, we've still got some time to the Super Bowl, but hopefully we both can get through that, get a Seahawks win. Yeah. Um, you know, make things a little easier. And uh, I look forward to you know that Monday morning, February second, uh, going on every Boston site imaginable, and reading all the uh, <laughs> the, the negative columns and the the comments and all the, the crazy people. You know. But thanks again for coming on, and yeah, hopefully we do get that Seahawks Super Bowl win. Yeah,
1: it was my pleasure. Trying not to uh, you know go too crazy over the next week and uh just you know grin and bear it we'll get through it (laughs) all right mike thanks thanks